welcome to Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where on each and every episode, we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I am your host, Ryan Doze, and on today's episode, we have an awesome guest lined up for you. Professor Mark D. White is going to be joining us to talk about his brand new book, A Philosopher Reads Marvel Comics Thor if they be worthy. So we're going to talk all about a major theme of Thor Comics today. We're going to talk about the theme of worthiness. So this is a theme that's really been prevalent in Thor Comics since the beginning, since Journey into Mystery 83. So today, Mark is going to come here, talk to us about this, and we're more specifically going to talk about the theme of worthiness within the Jason Aaron run of Thor. So you could kind of say that Today's episode is like supplemental material for the Jason Aaron retrospective we've been doing all year. It's going to be a great episode. We had a a really fun time putting this chat together, and Mark is uh, super intelligent and funny, and we're just, uh, yeah, really excited to share this chat with you today. And before we get started, I wanted to uh, just give a shout out, give a thank you to our newest member of the Thor Corps, the newest member of our Patreon. Eric Bennett, our good friend, is jumping on board the Thor Corps and he is enjoying some great bonus content. You can as well if you want to join our Thor Corps for just a few bucks a month. You get our entire bonus library and everything that we'll ever put out there on Patreon. We've got a brand new episode coming out later this week that Eric's going to enjoy, our other Patreon members are going to enjoy, and if you join today, you will get to enjoy. So if you're interested in that, go join the Thor Corps. It's a good group of people. And uh, Eric is our newest member. So thank you, Eric. This is your shout out, man. Uh, but Eric is like, he's a, he's a pro when it comes to across the Bifrost. So he's, he's used to having his name shouted out. So today, great chat. We have a lot of great things happening in the podcast. Uh, and uh, we just did our Multiverse of Madness review with Brandon and Jason. We got a lot of great voices adding uh, some depth and some diversity to the podcast, both recently and coming up. I've got I, the slate of shows we have coming up is just so awesome. I can't wait till you get to hear all of them. And this was one of them that I was really excited to share. So let's jump into our conversation with Professor Mark D. White talking about Thor and the theme of worthiness. First time we are welcoming Mark D. White to the Thor podcast. Mark, how's it going this afternoon, man? It's going great, Ryan. Thanks for having me here. We uh, so you and I like we've been talking about this book that your book that we're going to talk about today on the show. We've been talking about this kind of back and forth, DMing each other for I don't know what like at least four four months. At I least, know. yeah. I, I remember. When I, I had heard you on uh, Rick Verbanis, uh, his podcast, the, the Captain America podcast, and you were talking about the virtues of Captain America. And I was like, this guy, he's awesome. I need to have him on my show. <laughs> you you mean Rick, right? <laughs> he is uh, awesome. But, but like at that point, like your, like the book we're talking about today wasn't even like announced. And you had kind of like let me know, like, hey, by the way, like I'm I'm gonna have like a project coming up that might interest you a little more. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that project is now like it's digitally in my hands. I hope someday to have like the physical book in my hands. But uh, why don't you like let's just open up this conversation. Just let 
let's just know maybe a little bit about yourself and then how this book came to fruition. And uh, yeah, we'll just start there if that works for you. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Uh, like you said, my name is Mark D. White. I'm the chair of the Department of Philosophy at the College of Staten Island in New York City, part of the CUNY system. And I've been writing about superheroes and philosophy since, I guess, 2008, when uh, my co-edited book, Batman and Philosophy, co-edited with Robert Arp, uh, came out to coincide with the, the Dark Knight Rises. And ever since then, I've done either, either co-edited or edited or, or authored, completely authored, uh, about a book a year. Wow. on some superhero and philosophy you know after for like the first six years starting with batman i did a, an edited or co-edited book a year and then after that i i bookended my original six books in the in the blackwell philosophy and pop culture series with batman and superman so i thought that that was nice that kind of ties it off nicely you know, yeah with batman and with superman and then the next book i did i decided to write my own so that's when I wrote The Virtues of Captain America that you mentioned before. Yes. Um, and then, it's hard to remember what order they come in. Um, Someday I hope to have written so many books <laughs> that I forget when <laughs> certain books came out. It's like, oh yeah, I, uh, it was way back when. <laughs> be the best. Uh, so, but, but then I, I wrote... Um, the next one, I think, was the first book in the current series, which is the A Philosopher Reads series from Occam Publishing, and that was A Philosopher Reads Marvel Comics Civil War, uh, which dealt with the, the Civil War storyline mainly through the eyes of the three main characters in it, whom I identify as Iron Man, Captain America, and Spider-Man. Absolutely. Um, you know, how, how their ethical codes were reflected in their behavior during civil war, as well as the events of civil war. And actually the, the last part of the book is the aftermath for all three of those characters, because obviously the, the, the events of civil war had a tremendous impact on all their lives. Uh, Captain America being the shortest one, but <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> Iron, Iron Man and Spider-Man having ex extended arcs after, after civil war ended. Um, and then I did, Batman and Ethics, published in 2019, I think. And around that time, I think, you, you can help me here, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, when did they, uh, I think it was 19 or 20, summer 19 or summer 20, summer 20, I think, that they announced that that um, Taika brought, brought the, the, you know, um, the actress. I'm Natalie Portman. Portman. Natalie Portman, of course. Yes. <laughs> brought Natalie Portman on stage at, at San Diego Comic-Con yeah. and she lifted the hammer and that just blew my mind. Oh boy. Because, you know, that was, we were near the end of Jason Aaron's epic seven year run on Thor with Russell Dowderman and Isak Ribic and all the other great artists. And it just, the, the light bulb went off, you know, the, the hammer launched the light bulb in my head. And I, I, I don't even think I got back from Comic-Con before I emailed my publisher at Occam Publishing. And I said, you know, because we, we'd always, you know, kind of had an idea what the future books would be, but realized that if something came up, we could kind of insert one in the order. And uh, I never mentioned Thor before. I'd always thought I'd write a Thor book someday. But, oh, awesome. when, the, when, but when the 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 presence of Jane Foster in the, as Thor in the next Thor movie was announced, this it all came together in my head. 
Yeah. And I said, I want, I want to do a Thor book, but I want to focus it on the Jason Aaron seven year run. And this, this, you know, tremendous existential arc that the Odinson takes and then Jane takes and they, they kind of culminate at the end. And I said, there's just, there's so much. And of course this you know, publishers always like to have something connected with the big movie, big show release, big right. or something or other uh, promotional moment that they can leverage on, which is just fine with me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it all just, it all just came together and, and, you know, the publisher was crazy about the idea and said, get started. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and now, and, and now, yeah. <laughs> and of course it was, it was a few years because the movie was delayed a little bit and oh yeah, I, you know, I have other stuff going on, including a, j- a day job. So, uh, and then the pandemic happened and, that kind of threw all plans uh, uh, in, you know, and, and, you know, tremendously more, I don't know, you know, into, into uh, question, but uh, yeah, I, I managed to get it done and uh, it's been through the publication process and the, the paperback, I think just came out last week. Yeah. Uh, digitally, I think just the week before. So it's so, it's a, it's a it's a relief and it's a pleasure to see it finally you know out and people can read it and i can talk about it with people like you <laughs> well thank you for like i i feel like i've been pestering you for so long to be like please come on my show please <laughs> like this would be awesome and and when i when i knew you were going to do some something with jane I was like, okay, well, I know that I'm going to be going through Jason Aaron's entire run on the show. And I thought I was like, oh man, if Mark's going to write this book, like that'd be really good, like supplemental material for people to maybe. And once I started reading it myself, I was like, oh my goodness, people should definitely read the comics as they're like, and as they're reading the comics, they should like have this like off to the side. And like, when they have that question of like, oh man, I think I'm noticing this theme here. They could just like flip through and just be like, okay, now I understand a little bit more of that. Like, so if you're just a little side note for, for across the Bifrost listeners, if you've been tracking with us for the Jason Aaron retrospective, um, that like, you need to go get this book because it will enhance the comics. You're already going to read. You're already going to read them. You might as well understand it on a little bit more of a a philosophical level. Uh, And, and like, for those of you that might be worried, like, oh no, it's going to feel like a textbook. It's going to feel like, like one of those dry books I remember from school. It is not that book. It is not like, I'm going to put your fears at ease. It's not that book. Uh, Mark, like Mark, I, I know this is a way weird for me to give you a compliment, like right to your face as we're talking, but like, <laughs> you are such a funny, intelligent writer. Oh, <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I really love, appreciate like, that things you'll like put in parentheses and like me like hey don't worry like obviously we're gonna come back and talk about this later like calm down um <laughs> the introduction is just full of that like we're gonna talk about it later just don't worry i got you um so those of you like our jason Aaron retrospective read this along along with that mark i'm curious to know like for the for the the beginning of this book you actually don't start with jason aaron you start like all the way back you start like all the way back to the beginning his origin what is your origin with thor comics specifically as as a reader yourself wow uh this is this is where i have to admit to something because not only am i a, a latecomer when it comes to marvel comics when i was a yeah. kid i read dc exclusively and i think that's just because i realized pretty early on 
the 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 nature of a shared universe, a shared comics universe. And once I once I started, you know, I just started reading DC comics because I grew up on Super Friends on Saturday mornings and the Batman TV show and reruns. And those are just the characters I knew. I mean, I knew Spider-Man and Hulk, you know, who doesn't, but the the DC characters are the ones I knew. And so many of them had appeared on Super Friends. I liked how they all worked together anyway. And then I, you know, there was a Super Friends comic book at the time, but there's also Justice League of America. So you got roughly the same characters. And I, like I said, I realized I, I really wanted to, to immerse myself in this shared universe. And of course, I'm a little kid. I don't have a lot of money anyway. Right. So I said, I, I, I have to pick one company or the other if I want to get a lot of books from that company. And I picked DC Truth. again. That's because what I knew. And I, I, I pick up a Marvel comic now and then. And yeah, it'd be okay. But it was, you know, if I can't read a lot and I can't appreciate the whole big picture, it, I don't know if it's really worth it. So it wasn't until... I had kids. I mean, I got out of comics in high school. I didn't read any comics in college or grad school. It wasn't until I was I was a, I was a grown up and yeah. had kids and a job, and I just I was you know walking my 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 first child, my daughter, around in the stroller so much, and we walked by a comic shop, and then I pop in the comic shop and I talk to the people in the comic shop and that that plus going to bookstores that had spinner racks and just browsing the spinner oh. racks and picking up a wizard magazine once in a while and gradually I really got back into comics in a big way and it was like a, a piece of me that had been missing for 15 years that I didn't yeah. even think about picking up a comic book and I started with Batman because that was my main thing when I was a kid but then I started noticing, you know, once I started paying attention to who the new creators were, I really started to appreciate Ed Brubaker's work. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It was mainly writing, mainly writing Gotham Central at the time, which okay. was the, the comic book that took place in the Gotham City Police Department. And it was, it was sort of like a police procedural, like law and order, except it was in the context of a police department that operates in the city with Batman. <laughs> you know the, the gotham tv show was you know was a little more cartoonish but it yeah. was in that, in that same theme i really focused on how do police operate in a city with superheroes and supervillains and a, a main you know a main superhero that overshadows them so much which is a big theme in the in the rest of the comics as well yeah and i really liked ed brubaker and his is uh the artist his last name was lark michael lark Okay. I really liked how they worked together. It's very noirish, very realistic. And then I found out that they were doing Daredevil. So I'm like, Ooh. oh, I know who Daredevil is. I've never, I don't know right? a lot about him, but I, I said, okay, this this team that I've really enjoyed on one comic book, they're writing Daredevil. So I'll, I'll pick up some Daredevil. And that just got the whole ball rolling as far as getting into Marvel. Cause now again, I'm a grown up with a job. I, I can afford to buy more comics than I could you can commit to two universes now with my bottle <laughs> refund money, you know, from carrying the empty Coke bottles to the five and dime and getting Your enough, can deposit enough money. money from one pack of bottles to buy one comic and trying to get my parents to drink more Coke so I can get more comics, you know. <laughs> We don't need water. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I can't refund water bottles. Come on, let's go. <laughs> z, z, so, but then, then, so I, I, I started to gradually get into more of the Marvel universe, and especially Civil War came out just around that time. So I was like yeah. a crash course. I was following it all. I didn't buy it, but I was following it all online. You know, because the comics okay. internet was a was a big thing too that I didn't know <laughs> about the fifteen years before I got back into comics. And so then that that 
sort of brought me into Captain America and Iron Man and all, all the rest of the characters. But Thor, of course, wasn't around during Civil War. Oh, he was not. Because he'd had the Ragnarok back in Avengers Disassembled. And J. Michael Straczynski was just starting to bring him back yeah. around the time Civil War was ending. So I didn't, I didn't get into Thor until... There was that one issue, uh, I think it was the eighth issue of Straczynski's run where Thor confronts Iron Man about the, the clone that yep. he and, and, yep. and Reed and Hank built that oh, boy. Bill Foster and said, you know, how, how dareth you do this to me and, uh, you know, kick Tony's ass seven ways till Tuesday. One of my favorite issues <laughs> of comics ever, because <laughs> listeners of this show know I'm not that big of an Iron Man guy. Like. Robert Downey Jr. is funny and all, but comics Tony is a douchebag. <laughs> and that can be that it was like it was like uh, Straczynski gives me like this like wish fulfillment in one comic. And it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I that's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. So isn't that also the one where where Thor visits Cap's grave at the end and Cap's ghost comes out and talks to him? Oh my. And of course, Cap wasn't really dead. Yeah, yeah. Which, time. which kind of so. like that moment is even weirder when you find out that Cap's yeah. not actually dead. Like, who, who was that? <laughs> who, wait, hold on. If Cap's here, then who was that guy? <laughs> <laughs> you have the old the, the, the Spider-Man pointing meme. It's like, oh, like, yeah. What? <laughs> hold on. This is uber trippy. <laughs> oh, man. I got to go read some Straczynski after this then. <laughs> Well, that, that, that run really sold me on Thor. Okay, so and that's then, where you began, then, like, dipping the toe in. Yeah, it's kind of like the same thing with, with Daredevil. I read that first Brubaker and Lark Daredevil trade when he starts out in prison, because, of course, Bendis ends his run sending Matt to prison and then yeah. tells Ed Brubaker, here, you get him out. <laughs> and so, you know, but from there, obviously, next, what, what Daredevil do I read next? I read Frank Miller. Yeah, you know, oh, of that's course. That's obvious, you know, what you read. So, of course, yeah. after I read Straczynski Thor, I said, okay, I want to read the classic Thor. What do I read? Simonson. Of course. And so, I mean, nothing against Lee and Kirby. That's obviously set the groundwork for everything. But, I mean, the, the classic run of Thor has to be, with all due respect to Jason Aaron, Simonson. And, I mean, Aaron's run comes awfully close to Simonson. But, I mean, Simonson is the gold standard. You, yeah, nothing's going to surpass. If you're looking that. if you're looking way back into the future or way back into the past, like you're right. Simonson is the standard bearer. So, you know the weirdest thing thinking back to the Simonson run is when I was a little <laughs> kid. I don't know this what I can't remember what year it started, 83 or something. When I was yeah. I was a little kid at one of my buddy's house just hanging out and you know, I read comics, but I I just read DC comics, you know, so that was all I knew. But I remember when we were playing, whatever we were playing, Cars, Lego, whatever. But I remember distinctly in my head, on his coffee table was that first issue of the Simonson run with Beta Ray Bill slamming through the logo <laughs> with the hammer and thinking, oh my gosh, that looks really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Thor. I didn't know Thor looked like that. I didn't know Thor looked like a horse. <laughs> But I mean, it was that distinctive a cover. I mean, it's one of the classic comics covers. Truth, but it's that yep. distinctive that it's stuck in my head all those years until I actually started reading the Simonson run, and that that sold me on. I mean, Straczynski got me into Thor, but reading some of the classic stuff, 
um that that just sold me on thor and i, I was a yeah. huge thor fan ever since i followed him ever since through every run every writer well, you know I, gillen and fraction and you know all, all of them all, and all as well as reading back i mean reading you know finally reading the classic lee and kirby stuff to find out where it started and then everything after that so you so you so you got started reading thor similarly to how i started reading thor okay. i began reading with jason aaron oh all right because i i never well, grew up spoiled uh, <laughs> well and what's crazy is at the time i didn't know i was spoiled it's like you know sometimes when like you're following like a really good sports team and you're like hey we win every year <laughs> it's like oh no you don't remember the dark days yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the same thing with thor comics like i i uh listeners of the show kind of they, they know my my origin story well enough i grew up as a star wars and lord of the rings kid mm. when i saw thor i was like hey both of my fandoms together yeah this yeah. guy's perfect and the comics that were coming out at the time were like it was it was latter like matt fraction stuff around the release of the first movie but i didn't live around a comic book store mm. so when i went off to college i started you know reading comics i you know i'd get a few odd issues here and there from like the scholastics book fair or something like that right um shout out to the scholastics book fair sure. like a, a bright yeah, spot awesome. um but uh my kids actually now have scholastic book fair at their book fair and i think oh, i yeah. get more excited about it than they do <laughs> <laughs> but uh but why yeah, are you crying I mean, daddy <laughs> dad it's okay it's like you don't get it um but it's like treasure these moments they're not here forever um, but i so i had like i had issues of like iron man here and there a fantastic four but like no, i didn't have a collection at all i yeah. i used comic books similarly to how people originally used comic books i was like oh that was fun like mm -hmm. use it for something else so when Thor came out, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have more of this. So then Fraction slowly turned into Jason Aaron and Jason Aaron was really the first run I collected. And then I was like, oh my gosh, there's almost, there's like, at the time there was like 50 years of this. Right. What is back? You know, so similar to you, you know, I, I had to go back and then kind of keep up with current, but I had to go back. Now I want to segue this to like, the beginning of the actual book and like talking mm -hmm. about the the foundational aspects of the conversation and then how you take it into the jason aaron um the his seven year you know epic um okay. so where like where you begin is breaking down the foundations of the character when you like decided that's where you're going to start what was the researching process like that because you like listeners this man is like a master of footnotes like the footnotes were like three pages long uh well, just from the first academic, chapter so i write more in footnotes than in, in most of the book i really but, have to pull that back when i write books for general readers you know where did that research like start like did you actually like, go back to journey into mystery 83 and just like go forward yeah i read everything and when I say I read everything, I don't I don't mean I'm sitting back in my armchair just leisurely thumbing through the comics. <laughs> I mean it, it is it is research. It's not yeah. as not as as much fun as it sounds because I'm really, you know, I'm I'm reading, I'm skimming until I see something that I think is relevant to the book. Okay. You know, and the theme of the book is really worthiness. I think yes. that's the theme of Jason Aaron's run, and that's that's 
you know, that's the whole point of obviously the Odinson losing worthiness and having to find out how to reclaim it and finding out what it really means. Uh, Jane doesn't have as much of a problem with that as she always had a good sense of her own worth. I mean, it definitely, the sense of herself changes as she goes through the changes in the Jason Aaron run, but she didn't really have the same problems with self-confidence that, that the Odinson did. Yeah, but still, the 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 whole theme of worthiness, obviously, losing the hammer because you're not worthy, and then having to to rediscover that worth, you know, that's really the main thing I looked for when I started reviewing the old comics. Is I wanted to see how the concept of worthiness was conceptualized from the early days. And yeah, you you, you talk about that. I go way back, and thank you, I do. But I, I get to the Jason Aaron run fairly quickly because there isn't. That that much in the comics before Aaron started writing it that go much into detail about what it means to be worthy in the sense that Mjolnir or Odin through Mjolnir judges worthiness. Yeah. You know, it's very vague and, you know, it starts out just being, you know, courageous and brave and noble and, and heroic and even, even strong. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I, I, I kind of discuss a little bit of ethics about how those, those terms really evoke virtue ethics, which really focuses on a person's ethical character traits, you know, honesty, bravery, heroism, uh, resilience, etc., rather than ethical schools like utilitarianism and deontology, which really look at actions. You know, is yeah. lying wrong? Is cheating bad? Why is killing wrong? Are there any ways and times that killing is okay? That really focus more on the actions than the person doing it. Virtue ethics looks at the person and says, what kind of person does good things? And what do we expect from an honest person, from a brave person? How do these, how do these virtues express themselves in different circumstances from different people? Yeah. And speaking of different people, I loved how um, you, you, you broke it down in a way that a simpleton like me could understand where you're like utilitarianism is like I imagined it like a column, like utilitarian Iron Man, deontologist, Captain America, right. virtue ethics. Thor. I was like, oh, OK, makes perfect sense because I've read enough of all those different characters where you see those themes come out. And right. I, I was I was kind of like re I was I was rereading issues in my brain like oh no that totally checks out like I'm just like cross-referencing it with what I know and even like I think what you see in the movies um, oh yeah definitely you, those themes definitely come out so like next time everybody next time you watch an Avengers movie just like think through those themes and how they play out uh, like the next time I watch Avengers, I, I won't be able to not see it. It, it. And now that's kind of like, it's my, the framework I view those three characters through. So thank you for that, Mark. I really, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, one, of, one of the first times I wrote about Thor was actually the, the, my, my lead chapter for the Avengers and philosophy, which was yeah. my co-edited book at the time. And my first chapter, I think was titled something like superhuman ethics class with the Avengers because Hank Pym was was leading a superhuman ethics class at the Avengers Academy at the time. Awesome. So I thought, oh, I can do that too. <laughs> Hank Pym's so the guy I, I have teach ethics though? Yeah. That, Interesting. Kind of, you know, that, that, no, I won't make hmm. that joke. But 
um yeah that was you know, well you know, there's a lot of redemption in the avengers you have hawkeye and black widow and yep. quicksilver and scarlet yeah. Witch, so you can have hank pym teach <laughs> ethics class um but um you know and in that book i basically give a you know 15 minute introduction to those three ethical schools using those three heroes you mentioned yeah and that's actually available free at the at the wiley.com website. If you oh. look up the Avengers and Philosopher book, that's one of the sample chapters that's freely available. Oh, fantastic. So if your if your listeners want to go check that out, yeah, before they buy the book. We can we can share we can share a, a link or something to yeah, to give yeah. people the a little bit of a teaser of what one of the one of the underlying themes of this book is like with really parsing out like how does thor view the world when like when thor when something bad happens to thor how does he process that and that's like that's like a huge part of jason aaron's run like coming up to where we start with with thor and jason like that obviously it starts with the god of thunder and it starts with gore um mm-hmm. but i i wanted to kind of bridge the gap for listeners here like you you start with straczynski you go back to simonson now for you as a reader were you like down with jason aaron's run since the since the first issue or did you like read it as one big whole thing looking back on it how did you approach his run on thor oh no i like i said once after i after i got hooked i you know with straczynski as you know and i start reading the back stuff like simonson no i i was a regular monthly reader awesome i read all the thor stuff the journey and mystery stuff the stuff with with kid loki and uh no, I, I I read everything. So I was reading the Jason Aaron run monthly. Awesome. But you know, I was I was I still had kind of the same experience as you is that you know you don't realize how good it is while it's going on. Yeah. You have to get into it a bit and then you right. kind of look back and you realize how great it was. And you know, by the time I started actually, you know, researching and reading for this book. I mean, the Jason Aaron run wasn't done yet. We were probably in the middle of War of Realms at the time. Okay. But still, I went back and I just read. I, I probably read the entire run two or three times just to immerse myself in it completely. And it took tons of notes. You know, of course. You, I've got tons of notes on it and thinking and, and sorting and trying to find how to organize the themes and everything because... I didn't want the book just to be, you know, in this issue, this happens. And then in the next issue, this, I didn't want it to be just a summary of the story. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew the book was going to follow the the flow of the story somewhat, but it was also going to follow the Odinson's, you know, development for a while. And it was going to follow Jane for a while and back and forth. Yeah. And of course, when, when, you know, the Odinson gets his own miniseries, The Unworthy Thor, that makes it a little easier to separate because then they really are on separate tracks. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're not interacting very much because Thor's off on the collector's, in the collector's jail and everything. And and that that made it easier to separate the two. And then, of yeah. course, you know, they, they do come together uh, with the Mangog and, you know, obviously War of the Realms and stuff. But you know, I ha- that that took me a while to figure out how to do it, and I hope I did. And and you know, kind of following the flow of the story without just reciting the events of the story. Yeah, you know, kind of you know, telling telling what I thought was the philosophically interesting part of the story without ignoring the whole story you know what i'm saying you know oh, there's totally. obviously lots of stories you know that that first that first story with malekith 
when right. Thor gathers uh, all the people from the different realms and they yes. kind of go on just a big grand colorful adventure and it's, yeah. a, it's a really fun story but it didn't have a lot of relevance to my book except on how it, it really built up the whole you know it, it kind of bridged the gore storylines yeah and so i mean i you know if i if i just recited the events on every issue in the in the aaron run then there would have been a lot of dry parts because a lot of a lot of the aaron run was just a lot of fun and it wasn't necessarily philosophically deep i don't want to scare people away thinking this run was a master's degree class or anything (laughs) it's fantastic (laughs) fun adventurous epic comics that just happen to also have have very interesting philosophical threads going through them and those are the those are the types of comics i like to write about the most It, it is funny how like uh, I, I told, you know, I, one of the main influences in my, my life as a fan of, you know, all different sorts of, um, you know, fandoms is Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. Tolkien is one of those, you know, um, it, it's I mean, literally, literally all of his writings are called the legendarium. Like th- that, that feels big. That feels very <laughs> serious. Um, and my wife is currently going through a fellowship again. Mm-hmm. um she's never finished all the books um i've i've barely attempted all the books um but she's going through fellowship and she's like there are parts of this that like are super fun but there's also parts that aren't like fun at all and and i was like oh so it's like jason aaron's store <laughs> she's like i guess like because you have like the gore not in the, smile not in smile right like the gore storyline is not fun like it is brutal and there's parts of it like make you uncomfortable it makes you ask questions that are bigger than yourself and then yeah you go to that malekith story and like yeah malekith's you know he's he's a he's a dirty scumbag and he does terrible things but like there's a comic book scumbag he's yeah yeah. you know he's almost like a a spider-man villain he's almost like the green goblin or something yeah yes he's like the green goblin yeah he's 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 malicious and he's terrible but like at the end of the day you know gore doesn't cackle well, and I think one thing, so you've mentioned artists a few times, you know, Dodderman and Asad Ribic, and obviously Asad Ribic is really the, when you think of Gore as a mm. comic book fan, you think Asad Ribic. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he's quintessential with that character. Right. But like, then you go to the the uh, cursed storyline with Malachi, and it's like, Ron Garney's art is very different um yeah. and it, it doesn't it doesn't look like a renaissance painting right. um whereas Asad Rubik's right. like you you could it looks like a comic book in the best sense of the term I yeah mean, no, it's, and it's it, we, we talked about this a while back on the show when we were doing our retrospective that it's not a difference of good art and bad art it's right. art that fits the tone of Story. very different yeah. stories yeah and then like exactly. you jump you jump up to Dodderman doing most of the Jane stuff and it's like Dodderman's art reminds me of like Saturday morning cartoons and like, like it's, it. it's, it's fun and it's dynamic and it's super colorful. And, yeah. and, and to you know, compare a that to abstract, a yeah, abstract. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of trippy in areas. Yeah. That's a good work. Yeah. But like, it's, an, but it's not Asad Ribic. So it's just funny that uh, Jason has done this great epic and there's so many different styles and so many different takes of his world uh brought to life by so many different creators and i'm just off the off the cuff here like when you're like reading and rereading these runs did you have an art style that you felt maybe like you resonated with more as you're reading through well 
Wow. I mean, just talking about Ron Garney, I'm a huge fan of his going back to his work on Captain America. Yeah. And I remember actually one of the first, I've never been a big X-Men fan, but I think one of the first Wolverine, solo Wolverine stories I read was Get Mystique, which I think was written by Jason okay. Aaron and run, and drawn by Ron Garney. Oh, so it's, it's weird that I go back with these, these teams so far, but I, I, I mean, everybody, I don't want to equivocate here, but everyone that, that illustrated Aaron's stories, and I try to be very careful in the book, you know, it, it's so much quoting dialogue and obviously, which is all up to Aaron, but I, you know, it's hard when you write a book about comics that doesn't show any artwork and still, you know, emphasize the artist's work. So I try to do that as much as possible. I'm very, very uh, aware of the tendency of comics writers to just say, oh, the Jason Aaron run, oh, the the, the Kieran Gillen run, oh, yeah. you know, and focus on the writers and, without mentioning the artists that are actually drawing the pictures in these books. Yeah. So I try to mention the artists as much as I can, including when I do podcasts like this. Um, I, I think, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think every artist in this run was appropriate for what they did and the tone of the story they did. I mean, my if I had to pick a favorite, I'd say Isad Ribic. Yeah. Because in that 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 gore storyline, it is just magnificent. Yeah. And it's 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 like you I, I never thought about it like this, but you you said it's like a Renaissance painting. I mean, it is really just you know so powerful and so noble and you know no i uh, that that's my favorite but then i can't imagine esau ribic having done the jane stuff i mean russell dowderman was perfect for the jane stuff so that, that i was gonna i was gonna piggyback off that with like i can't imagine jane not being drawn by russell dowderman right like i'm sure i'm sure there's other artists that could do an amazing job but like i uh i I, I've just I've watched Dodderman's art for so long. I'm just like he is he's he is Jane. Like like him drawing Jane makes the most sense. Just like Isad drawing Gore makes the most mm -hmm. sense. Um, you know I I have a I have a little bit of that feeling too with um you know uh, Lee Garbett drawing Loki from Agent mm, of Asgard. Right. Like right. I have specific Thor. Thor himself is actually the one character that I don't automatically associate with one particular artist and i find that kind of odd like i'm even thinking back to myself like huh who would be like when i think of thor just like randomly throughout the day as i often do i'm just like thinking of thor whose art do i picture and i don't think i actually have an answer to that I'm, i know that's not a very fun piece of conversational audio but it's something <laughs> i've just realized <laughs> yeah i think when i was a kid uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, again, reading DC, you know, Kurt Swan was my Superman artist. Jim Apero was my Batman artist. Um, I actually started reading Green Lantern when Dave Gibbons was drawing him. Dave Gibbons, who's, of course, now associated mainly with Watchmen. But oh, I knew him mainly as Green Lantern. And I said, oh, the Green Lantern guy is doing a story with Alan Moore. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the Green Lantern and, and guy. And Flash was Carmine Infantino. And, and, but, you know, now... You know, and yeah, I, I, I don't think of many, you know, that I've, I've, I've read so much, you know, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, I don't, I don't seem to associate characters with particular artists. So I do have a favorite artist to draw certain characters. You know, I, I love yeah. Mike Zeck drawing Captain America and John Byrne. Yeah. I, I, you know, like John Byrne drawing most people. John Byrne drew an awesome Thor. Yeah. So, I, you know, the few just... times he did in Avengers and. 
it, it, and that's something I often forget is that like, yeah, don't just like count the people that drew Thor in his solo book. Like there's a lot of right. great people that have done him in, in, uh, in Avengers. Like right now, Javier Garon, who's, who's drawing Avengers with Jason Aaron. Like, yeah. I think he does a great Thor. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's probably not a name you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's Javier Garon's Thor. Like that's probably <laughs> not a sentence many people. Th- I may have just coined it for myself. Who, who drew who drew Jane when she was in Avengers? That lineup of Avengers with Sam Wilson's cap. Oh, that's that's all new, all different Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh the, goodness. The young heroes and it had Ms. Marvel and and Miles Morales in it for a while. You know, what? I'm I'm just going to look it up right now as we're as we're uh, as we're just pontificating about art styles yeah <laughs> you know it's, uh, <laughs> which actually i don't discuss in the book unfortunately but I, well, I, I wish I, I could i agree with you like i think you did a great job of like you know you know like yeah obviously we can't show art here but like don't be mistaken like the art is a huge part right of these because because so example um we're talking about when Thor becomes unworthy during the original sin story. And at the end, then, you know, obviously we get years of fallout, but the powerful image of him on the moon, like there's almost no dialogue there. Like, it's just, it's him. You like, don't need just, it. You know what he's going through. Yeah, he's, he's wrenching on the hammer and then he's just sitting there like not knowing what to do next. Right. And I was like, there's no words you could have put to that. Cause we all know what that, like that, like you're striving and straining and then you fail. Mm-hmm. Like we all know what that feels like. We don't need you to tell us how it right. feels. Like. So I, right. I mean, that's where art I think comes in masterfully. Yeah. But and I remember yeah, I had, you, a, I had to put a footnote in the book in one of the sections about Jane, just calling out how well Russell Dowderman drew human Jane Foster when she was, you know, suffering from, she was fighting cancer and how he drew her like a, a, a woman suffering from cancer and, you know, didn't draw her beautiful and ravishing and sexy and just, you know, with a, with a chemo needle coming out of her arm. Yeah. You know, he drew her like, a, like someone whose body was obviously failing them. And when they do the and reveal. They, and I loved all the letters in the in the letter columns from, oh yeah and this is where i'm going to break down a little bit from cancer survivors or spouses of people who fought cancer saying you know i saw i saw myself in jane i saw my wife in jane i saw my mother in jane yeah and that's just you know and and that, that's amazing i mean obviously you know it's not all russell it was jason aaron too he wrote those scenes but you know it wouldn't have been the same without the way russell drew her and drew her consistently in that way yeah then of course she becomes the mighty thor and she's huge and muscular and beautiful and strong and heroic but you know she was also heroic not only in fighting cancer jane foster but also how she continued to be a heroic person and i tried to emphasize that in the book too yeah that you know that's part of why the hammer found her worthy is she had always been heroic you know almost since the beginning you know obviously when she was introduced she's introduced as this fawning you know nurse that just oh dr blake oh you're so wonderful, <laughs> dr. Blake. and you know like like so most, handsome <laughs> most female love interests in 60s marvel comics or even like most female heroes in 60s marvel comics unfortunately <laughs> but 
you know, they, they would actually start to show glimpses of her, you know, being heroic, not, yeah. not obviously to portray her as a superhero, but to show that she's not just some, you know, empty love interest to yeah. serve the, the male hero storyline. And then obviously, as you develop her more and more through the years, and especially when she comes back in uh, uh, the, the hero's return run, written by i'm trying them hoping the name will come to me as i as i, I am no help it. here <laughs> um the the guy that did booster gold oh goodness oh God, you I, will I, find that my dc knowledge is incredibly okay lacking. okay Shoot, <laughs> unless it's jeff on. john's aquaman i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well he, he's a he's a magnificent artist and writer and i'm, I'm a, a, i apologize for forgetting his name i i I offended him at Comic-Con once, and this isn't going to make this any better. Uh, what? <laughs> he was, no. I, I, when I met him at Comic-Con, he was writing Nightwing. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, but Tom King had KG Beast shoot Nightwing in the head in, in an issue of Batman. And then for the next couple of years, Nightwing forgot who he was. Oh, is this uh, the Grayson, like Sp Agent of Spiral? No, that was Tom King's Grayson series oh, okay. never before mind. when they, they faked his death in Forever Evil. Okay, never no, mind. No, this, this was, um, and he just he just had amnesia and he forgot he was a superhero. He realized he was pretty fit and was a good fighter instinctively, but he, you know, he had all these people, Barbara Gordon and Alfred and Bruce Wayne coming to him and saying, Oh, you, you're Dick racing. You're this great superhero. But he's like, I don't want to be, I just want, he renames himself Rick and everything. Anyway, this went on for years. And for the most part, fans hated it. They just wanted Dick race and Nightwing back. Uh, we see that now in Tom Taylor's superlative run Woo! Uh, with Bruno Redondo but um no and then 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 the, the the thor writer the thor writer from 98 for like almost 10 years from 98 on his name's not going to come to me no matter how much i talk about it <laughs> uh, i can i can actually see the guy's face in my head but you know he had to start i i, I just assumed that when he was given the job he was given the job to bring dick grayson back but, but he took his time Hmm. and he, he took longer than i liked so when i met him at comic-con i said you know you know i, I kind of leaned in and said you know when when are we going to get Dick grayson back you know i assume this is what you're supposed to do and he's like oh no this is a wonderful story ex you know exploring who dick grayson can be other than a superhero and everything and he he actually says to me do, are you familiar with captain america for a while he wasn't even captain america i said yeah i know <laughs> yeah no i know i'm sorry <laughs> i can't I, I have to try to google it on my phone this is this is driving <laughs> well, me nuts speaking of uh, by the way listeners um this podcast has turned into mark and ryan google <laughs> stuff that they really that they can't remember for one reason Dan jurgens <laughs> what, what was it again dan jurgens dan jurgens oh, sorry man. mr jurgens i'm horrible with names it's not not you <laughs> It's Sorry not about Comic-Con. Um, well, the, the other name we were searching for on the all-new, all-different Avengers uh, was written by Mark Wade, who probably I'll never forget. Um, but then also uh, Adam Kubert was the one that drew that run with some amazing uh, covers by Alex Ross. Alex Ross yeah. So, man, you know what? I, just one brief moment on that. Guys, I've never, I've never talked about Alex Ross on this show his covers like when i think of like 
like when I think of the Justice League, I think of his Justice League like Kingdom Come covers. Mm-hmm. I think of you know like he. I would just like sometimes I'll get on like Pinterest and I'll be like Thor Alex Ross, and I'll just look at like his very like cool uh, style that he draws characters. I just think they look super heroic and regal when he draws yeah. them or, or paints them. Yeah, so well, he did the whole. He he's been doing these entire runs, covers for entire runs of books, like the entire yeah. Tanahisi Coates run of Captain America. Right. He did. The entire Iron L. Man. Ewing run of, of the Immortal Hulk, he did. And he's done the whole run, the current run with Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, it just he did Spider-Man for so many years. I mean, he it and it's not like he's just cranking out cookie cutter covers. Every no. one of these covers is a work of art. I mean, and it can be a post, you know, you could put a print on your wall. I actually have a print in my hallway uh that my my colleagues at work bought me when i turned 40 and it's an alex ross print of the mid-60s marvel comics lineup oh so it's got the the original avengers the fantastic four the original x-men uh dr strange daredevil you know, just the heroes that were like 64, 65. Yeah. So like the, the original, the original Marvel lineup, essentially. Right. right. And it's Ow. just, it's gorgeous. And they put yeah. it in a nice frame. And I mean, it was just a wonderful gift. One, one brief note, listeners, before I step off my Alex Ross soapbox, <laughs> I think he might draw the most Vincent Price, Dr. Strange ever. <laughs> His Dr. Strange is that so also, good. I mean, especially on this picture. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, and I I love this, so I'm not. It's not a criticism, but yeah. I'm pretty sure the Doctor Strange in this picture is based on Frank Zappa from the Shake Your Booty album. I mean, I, I love Frank Zappa, so I've, I've got Amazing. all Frank Zappa's albums. But the 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 you you look up his Shake Shake like S S H E I K your booty, not spelled correctly, but you know the, the Shake Your Booty album. And look at Frank there. That's exactly how Doctor Strange okay. looks. Like at okay. Like on the, the right edge of this picture. And every time I see it, I'm like, hey, Frank. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> every time I walk by him in the hallway. <laughs> but well, we come, let's come full back, full back around uh, <laughs> to the actual, the book he wrote. You remember the book he wrote. I did write a book. <laughs> but, <laughs> but man, we, we have truly. Did we start taken... the recording yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I call truly a journey into mystery because we did not know ah, like very well where, done. I should have just little segments like yeah and here was the journey into mystery in this one where we didn't like we didn't we just went off track and we didn't know where we we're going but so in in the book you you follow the whole run of, of Aaron's Thor and you've read it as a reader as someone who just you know enjoys comics and I'm kind of curious Mark when when you read comics do you have to like determine how you're going to read comics going into them or do you just always go to that default of like philosophical lens or can you turn that off like how do you approach comics when you read them no when when i when i just read them i'm reading them as a fan okay i mean that's just when i just read random comics but if i know i'm going to you know if i know i'm going to write a blog on a certain issue or certain story then obviously i'm reading it you know with with the, the philosophical lens because yeah. I have to look for the things I'm going to write about, or if I'm if I'm working on a book or a chapter for a book, and um, 
you know, I, I contributed a chapter to Black Panther and philosophy, which I, I didn't edit. I didn't, I wasn't one of the editors, but I was asked to contribute a chapter to it. And so I had to read a lot of Black Panther very quickly uh, to look for the aspects of the character I wanted to write about. So again, right. it was this kind of thing where I wasn't sitting back leisurely reading and enjoying the stories. I wish that were the case, but in this, in, in cases like this, you know, I had to go through just looking for what I needed for the story. But, you know, happily, the Jason Aaron stuff was something I'd already read as a fan and already right. come to love as a fan. So when I went back to read it and as more of a writer, as, as, you know, doing research, you know, I was already very familiar with it. And that made it a lot easier to go through and find, oh, I remember in this issue, they talked about this. Or You kind of knew where the golden nuggets were already. Yeah. And yeah. you just had to mine them a little deeper. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you get to the, like the cursed story, the accursed story of Malekith, I knew I didn't have to go through that as, as, as much because yeah. I knew there wasn't as much there. I still go through it just to make sure, because I really like when I do these books, not just to focus on the obvious things, but, but try to show that there's little nuggets of insight, even when you don't expect it. Right. You know, yeah. Um, you know, in my, in my Captain America blog, where I go through each appearance of, of Captain America in order, from the beginning you know i try to even when he appears in one panel as a guest in in the, you know i just they just wrote up an x factor annual <laughs> where he appears in one panel asking cyclops are you sure you want to do this and that's always a good thing to ask cyclops because it's not usually not a good idea because he, he, he probably do. doesn't know the answer to that question right right so <laughs> someone's got to ask him right so but but that shows captain america's esteem in the superhero community that you know he can you know the, the x-men can be off to do something and they'll take captain america's call cap saying are you sure you want to do this well guess we better think about this because captain america's wondering about it yeah that, that's just a sign of what esteem he's held in the marvel universe and you know he doesn't use it to lord it over people or boss it over people he, he tries to help even if it sounds like a like a crit critical school teacher but you know so I try to show that even these, you know, throwaway panels and books that no one remembers still say something valuable about Captain America. Yeah. Well, and, and truthfully, like, you know, comics, uh, obviously, I, I just wrote um, not a blog post, but I wrote something about an issue of um, Moon Knight that I had read. Um, and it was a, 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 a Doug, Doug Mensch, Doug Monk. I don't know how to pronounce Mensch. his name. I think, I Mensch. Think okay. So Doug Mensch wrote it and Bill Sienkiewicz, uh drew it. And it's a powerful story. It. Whatever issue it was, he drew the hell out of it. Yeah. It's, it is a powerful story about um, uh, cyclical and like, like abuse through like family lineage. Oh, is and this it was, one with the like, like drawings, like the kids crayon yeah, drawings? Yeah. The kids yeah. drawings. Yeah. It was unsettling. It like was. it, like, it's drawn so, and there's a line throughout it was known um once started the the red the red drum beats on yeah. and i was like that is such powerful powerful and simplistic writing that like uh you know, I, I, the point of what i'm saying here is that you know comics can be incredibly entertaining but also it's a medium where like you can tell stories you could never tell in any other like style. Like there's some stories that are just made for comics and they're, they just, they punch so much harder when they come through that medium. So as you're, you know, you're reading, you're looking for these themes. Some people like don't, they're like, I it's just, it's, it's entertainment. I want, I want to escape for a while, whatever. Well, 
bringing it back to Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron sometimes just doesn't allow you to escape. Like there's some themes where he's like, no, we're going to talk about this because Mm. it's important. And um, he does that in almost every run or character that he approaches. It's like, we're going to talk about some things that are going to get really real. Yeah. And obviously there's, there's, there's two characters that I want to talk, you know, a little bit more in depth about. And then I've got uh, uh, a uh, Thor love and thunder question. I would love for you to answer. Um, (laughs) But so the character of Gore, Mm-hmm. the character of gore we've done a lot of talking about like thor uh thor proper but like gore as a character when you approached gore for this book like he he is he's ripe with deeper meaning and philosophical questions how did you approach him and his complicated story um how did you approach him as a character well, I try to do credit to him. I wasn't, I, I don't know if I really paid much attention to approaching him as an independent character with agency because I was really looking at his effects on, on Thor. Right. So, right. I mean, I probably didn't give Gore enough credit, but, and, you know, you could definitely write something separate on Gore because, I mean, when you mentioned that, 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 that every run that Jason Aaron writes, there's at least one issue that really just hits you over the head with its, with its, you know, depth. And for me, and I'm guessing for you too, in the Gore storyline, that's the origin issue. Oh my how gosh! How Gore yes. became Gore, Whew. and it's just—it's heart-wrenching. Yeah. what this guy went through and how betrayed he felt by these supposed gods that were supposed to protect him. Yeah, and I mean, it's just you—you you can understand. You don't have to side with Gore against Thor, but yeah. you can definitely understand what drove this guy to be so maniacal. He's not just robbing banks for money. I mean, this, no. this guy has a serious complaint <laughs> that kind of minimizes it. You know, he's got, I don't want to file a complaint. Complaint I want to feels to a little. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but obviously he's going through the, through the universe slaughtering gods yeah. and not really caring about whether they're the good ones or bad ones, but he obviously had some bad ones. And the, the, and, but it's this fact that he has a point that rattles Thor so much. Right. And that's what made the whisper so effective. Yeah, it, it is you funny know. how like in original sin the whisper is that you know uh, he, he says it in such creative ways uh in that initial uh jane run um where it's like a whisper felled a god and mm-hmm. then they revisit it in unworthy thor where there's a whole issue called the whisper yeah and that's where you know where you find out what happened like the greatest contribution that unworthy thor gave to thor's mythos was we find out why the whisper mattered so much and it's funny for a fan authority back (laughs) yeah it is one of my absolute favorite little characters uh he's awesome um the 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 thing that what maybe a fan who's more casual might not know is like what some guy just whispered something in in his ear and all of a sudden he can't lift it's like Thor is the only hero, it, like if I unless I'm forgetting something, he's the only hero that truly could wake up the next day and not and not have his power, like the full extent of his power. And you right. see that in that unworthy storyline where he wakes up every day and just makes sure, yeah, he makes sure that he can pick it up, yeah. And and, and like Captain America's not doing that with the shield. Tony's not doing that with his armor. Um, you know, Hawkeye's not doing that with his bow. Thor is the only one that had like he could lose everything the next day. 
and I find I think that's one of the main like themes of the book that like makes yeah. it so interesting. Yeah, um, because that that's you know it, it, if we can jump ahead a bit, I, I don't want to give too much away. But I mean, obviously, if people have read this this storyline, then they know already that you know it, it's that that it's that uncertainty. It's that you know the awareness of the possibility that he might not be worthy the next morning. That is actually part of what makes him worthy again. Right. Uh, that struggle, that struggle to be worthy. In other words, he can't just be comfortable that he is worthy anymore. He's always got this little bit of doubt. And it's not, it's not you know, the kind of doubt that, that causes anxiety or, or causes depression. But it's just that, that you know, you could be 90% sure that you'll be able to lift the hammer, but you know, you just might not. Yeah. And that, that keeps you, keeps just enough humility to make sure you're going to try. You're never yeah. going to give up trying. You know, I, I compared it to Captain America too. Captain America is obviously portrayed as one of the greatest heroes, great person, always does the right thing or tries to do the right thing or tries to do what he feels is the right thing in a certain circumstance. But he never rests on his laurels. He's always he's always beating himself up. Oh, I could have done better. Oh, someone got hurt. I should have made sure they didn't get hurt. And in other words, he's always pushing himself to be better, even though most people look at him saying he, he can't be any better or he should go easier on, his, on himself. But he doesn't because yeah. he always wants to be better. And that's what Thor has to learn in his own way is that he always has to he always has to have a little bit of worry that maybe he's not worthy today. So he's yeah. got to make sure he tries to be worthy every day. And it's that constant struggle to be worthy that actually makes him worthy. And that's what he realizes at the end of Aaron's run. And that's why even at, at the very end, after he's become, after, after Odin passes on the throne to him and he's talking to the hammer and he says, you know, it's, it's you and me, pal. And I, I hope I can lift you tomorrow or something like that. It, it's this, it, the, the, um, you, you talk about, um, at one point you talk about, uh, there's this form of, of heroism or selflessness that is almost unconscious, that it's so ingrained in you that you just do it. Right. Like it, uh, it's unthinking. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unthinking. And, and I found that so interesting that, you know, why do certain heroes in our, in our favorite comic books, why do they do the things they do? They do it because they, they know not to do anything different. Um, They, they just, you know, Captain America, why does Captain America run into a, a fight with, you know, Hydra soldiers who have hostages? Well, That's because it's who he is right he doesn't um, he doesn't think about do i have to do this again of course he's going to do this again yeah it, it's and, uh, and that's that's what you know it's great that you may oh no oh no the first real sense of what it meant even in the old comics to be worthy because when they finally told the story in a in a series of backups in, in um the tales of asgard or thor in one of the two it was it was in the in the old comics they had a, like a three part story in the tales of Asgard backups that was how Thor got his hammer yeah and you know yeah. you had young teenage Thor you know fighting dwarves fighting frost giants saving people on Earth and coming back home and trying to lift the hammer and he can't lift it and he's just going how much do I have to do I'm doing all these good works I'm being brave I'm being heroic I'm being selfless how much do I have to do before I can lift this hammer and it isn't until um, Sif is in danger 
and he just automatically without thinking offers i think i think hella has captured him. yeah he hella has her, her has her captive and he he just without thinking about it says i give my life for her yes and it's that the fact that he not only made this sacrifice and obviously very heroic very brave just just offered up his life for sif without thinking about it that was the main thing that's what clinched him being worthy it's, yeah. it's not just it's not just that he's brave that's great to be brave it's not just that he's heroic but that it's such an ingrained part of him that he just does it automatically without thinking of the costs to him yeah and that's when the hammer finally lifts for him and and uh, and we see jane do that too the same jane shows the same same aspects well, years and years later decades yeah. later in jason aaron's run when she's fighting her first you know and she's you know brand new thor out of the gate and she's fighting all these magnificent supervillains and dario agar and you know the minotaur and you know she's fighting all these things and losing the hammer and and she says you know i had to do it i just you know that there's a there's yeah. a threat i have to go do it she doesn't think about it and of course that's what leads her to to accept the hammer near the end of her initial run as thor and says i can't not do it the realm the, the realms need me yeah it, it, and that's what that's exactly where i was going next was when when jane picks up the hammer we don't know it's her initially um so there's this mystery to it right right um and we but we know we know we know it's it's a lady and so just uh, you know again listeners of this show know like jane is quintessential to me like i think jane jane the way jane is written is just so different she's mm -hmm. so she's almost peter parker-esque with her quips and kind of just how sarcastic she is um i really enjoy how she's written a lot of the time and uh there is a uh there is she's a more irreverent than than the odinson is right it, it, jason aaron's era of thor unless we're talking about like the young version of thor right um when they do like the past present and future thors young thor is yeah I mean, he's <laughs> He's he's Thor Ragnarok Thor. That's what he he's he's bro Thor. Yeah. Um, he's the Thor from the What If uh, TV show. Right. Um, but when when Jane picks up the hammer, um, I love that you uh, referenced um, the the uh, letter the letters page. Um, for those of you who are reading Jason Aaron's run and you're skipping the letter page, don't skip mm. the letter page. No sometimes like the letter pages like sure they're fun but like not essential i would say in jason aaron's run you need to read the letter pages because if you are if you're like going into this time uh, of thor and you're like oh no like a girl can't be thor like that's not that's not my thor you should read the letter pages and find out how truly in the minority you are mm -hmm. um because Jane is meaningful. Um, and Jason Aaron has said multiple times, like he wasn't told to write anything. Right. Like, and if you actually understand and read his run, Jane was not like just thrown in there at the last moment. Her story has been told throughout the back, the like the back pages, like behind the in the behind the scenes as we get up to that point. So when Jane, so my question, when Jane comes to picking up the hammer and she says like, there must always be a Thor, who else but Jane? Like, seriously, she's been there since Journey into Mystery 84. She's the second longest Thor mm -hmm. character in Marvel comics. Like who else but Jane? Right. 
right? She has dealt with so much. She's had the ups, the downs. Like, you know, she's 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 had a relationship with Thor. She's been dumped by Thor. They've they've gotten together, they've gotten apart. Like they're friends at this point. They're they're like they they have a love that transcends even romance at this point. Yeah, yeah. I really like how how Jason Aaron portrays their deep friendship, where obviously they're exes, but yes. you know, so they've got this background. But that just makes their friendship even richer. And so, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's such a close, compassionate man, woman friendship that, you know, you, you actually hope never becomes a romance again, because it's so good as that friendship, it would almost cheapen it to have them become romantically involved again. And, and it's still that way now. Like when, right. when Jason Aaron's writing uh, Avengers, like Jane is like currently Jane's a member of the Avengers with right. Thor. And it kind of like took me into the last issue. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're on the same team together. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it. Like, you know, she's Valkyrie now. And uh, it's 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 an exciting time because Jason still gets to write them as friends. Like, right. And I think that's so cool because oftentimes in comics, like female characters are sexualized to a point where it's just like, oh, I know why you're in this book. And it's right. not because you're an interesting character. Right. Whereas Jane is an interesting character like she is a flawed character she is at at times a she she shows her strength in her weakness and and i I find that to be such a compelling thing for a character especially a female character Um, i've i've told this to several people that have been on the show uh, several ladies that have been on the show like when my daughter gets older i will hand her jane foster's thor and i'll be like like this is the like not like that's the only influence she's ever going to have you know to be the, yeah. the 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 woman she wants to grow up to be but it'd be like this, like this can be you know a part of understanding like who you are and you know this can be a very meaningful thing for for girls like and and men like for right. many years to come i think jane foster's store is it's essential and it's very underappreciated by by certain comic book readers um Uh, yeah that's that's always going to be the case yeah yeah (laughs) you know the same thing with sam wilson's captain america for a different reason who is awesome yeah absolutely miles morales spider-man sure like there's just you know uh but the the thing i wanted to ask about jane was because jane is going to be in this new movie and uh and um Oh, what's her what's her name is coming back to, to play her again <laughs> natalie portman <laughs> yeah right uh like you just want to get her on the podcast too so we're keeping or just kind of you know so say if you if you if she would come on the podcast then we'd remember your name i'm <laughs> yeah i'm sure she's just like oh man i really want ryan to know my name um uh honestly if natalie portman was ever on this show i would have a hard time choosing between star wars v for vendetta and thor <laughs> i would have the hardest time <laughs> just be like what was it like working with hugo weaving oh but also liam neeson oh but also chris hemsworth like um yeah and zach anyway. braff don't forget zach braff in garden state <sighs> no well you're for you're from new jersey so that probably like you are from I'm not from, from new, new jersey, jersey but you know i live in new jersey so that probably holds a, a very uh, a specific <laughs> place in your heart. Um, but with Jane coming back and she's going to be at the forefront again, um, how do you see the themes from Jason Aaron's run and how you've like the themes that you've identified and viewed in your book? Do you see those like, do you think 
audiences are going to like really resonate with those themes when they see this in the movie or do you think they're just kind of like two separate things I'm, I'm curious to see what you think yeah it's really it's so hard to tell from the trailer we've seen because you know it focuses obviously more on the odinson and i think his struggle to deal with though i don't i don't know if it's exactly the same you know exact concept of being unworthy yeah but he's obviously going through a lot of existential you know crisis about you know his role as thor and everything and i think that's going to be there but i on you know we don't really know how they're going to deal with jane as thor other, other than the fact that she will be thor and we don't know what her arc in this movie will be we don't know whether it'll be the complete arc she had in the comics or it'll just be part of it uh, we don't know the future plans which i mean it kind of reminds me of the 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 build up to spider-man no way home yeah when it, when it seemed like because they obviously couldn't show any of the footage of you know all the other all the get uh, just in case there's anyone that hasn't seen it all the guest appearances yeah in the movie so they could only show parts with spider-man and dr strange and it looked like it was going to be a spider-man dr strange team-up movie because that's all they could show without showing all the spoilers everything else <laughs> so you know i I don't think that's the same thing they're doing with a Thor Love and Thunder trailers. I don't think it's that they can't give away too much about Jane. I think they're just teasing it early. And then the, the next trailer is probably going to be more focused on Jane and what yeah. she does in the movie. You know, I, I, I hope they deal with some of it. I hope the, the, the creative team behind the movie has immersed themselves as much in Jason Aaron's run as we have. Yeah. And that a lot of it comes through. I mean, based on past experience with the other marvel movies where they've worked in a lot of the heart and a lot of the 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 the, the deeper meaning behind the the comic storylines they're based on i mean civil war was great it wasn't exactly the same as the comics but you know it touched on all the same themes yeah uh the, the captain america movies and the iron man movies and, and you know they've all done really well translating the heart of the comics to the screen you know, obviously it's a different medium. You have to do it in a different way, but they, they didn't ignore all the, the rich meaning that's in the comics, especially, you know, I focused obviously most on Captain America. And I mean, I've, I've said it many, many times and I'll say it many, many times from now on, Chris Evans is Steve Rogers. I mean, it, when he was first cast and I knew him mainly as Johnny Storm and Fantastic Four, where right. he did a great job <laughs> yeah, as this hothead young kid. You know, so I thought, how can this guy be Steve Rob? But he was, he yeah. is he, Steve he Rogers. Is. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I remember I was doing a, a, a podcast about Captain America, I think even before the, the one you referenced before. And they, the, 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 the interviewer asked me, you know, can, you know, I, I think they actually flattered me. They said, or can you take any credit based on your book for the, 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 the increased public knowledge of Captain America and appreciation of what he stands for? And I said, no, that's Chris Evans. That's Chris Evans and all the people behind the movies, yeah. obviously. I mean, because before the movies, you know, a lot of, you know, people, you know, that are, that are, you know, young like you uh, may not remember, but before the movies, Captain America was often thought of in the broader public as just this flag waving jingoistic jingoistic you know toady of the US government boy scout <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah simple black and white thinking dudley yeah. do kind of character 
And, you know, it wasn't until the Captain America movies came out that people understood that Captain America stands for the principles and the ideals behind America, not for whoever happens to be running the government at any particular time. Yeah. And that he fights back against the government when he agrees with what they're doing, when he does, when he thinks the people in government are not living up to the ideals of the country that he's sworn to uphold. Yeah. And I said, that's all, you know, I mean, obviously I, I talk about that in my book. But, you know, I was able to talk about it in the book because Chris Evans and everyone behind the movies portrayed that so well on screen. So everyone that watched the movie had a much better understanding of who Captain America was having seen those movies. Oh, he's not this this simplistic joke I thought he was. He's not just a guy wearing a flag. Yeah, really all you need to do is watch Captain America Winter Soldier once to realize that like that thought of Captain America just doesn't hold up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you need to go read like, you know, the original stories of the Winter Soldier. You need to go read, you right. know, when when Cap, you know, became the captain yeah, um, or you Nomad, know, you know. those stories, you know, and Nomad. Yep. Like, but, but when Cap said, you know, you mentioned the, the Winter Soldier movie, when Cap's when Cap's looking at all the, the shield super surveillance operation and he says, that's fear, that's not freedom. And that's that. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah, the fact that yeah. he will say that too. You know, government leaders that said, "You're you no. Know, this is not the way you do it. This is not freedom. This is fear." And that's, and that showed people that you know, Captain America is not as simplistic and not just some patriotic symbol, which he was when he was introduced in the 1940s. But you know, the modern Captain America is really, you know, dedicated to principle over over. I mean, you know, literally, his, his first comic is him punching Hitler in the face. Right. Right. Like, come on, <laughs> it doesn't get it doesn't get more propaganda esque than that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, before we completely uh, infringe upon uh, Rick Verbonis and Bob Lucius's whole <laughs> thing, um, I wanted to just uh, close up by just uh, asking you, uh, Mark, was there anything from this conversation that maybe we didn't go as far on as you would have liked, or if there was something from the book you feel like listeners need to know? Um, either before they go see this movie or before they, you know, purchase your book, maybe uh, something missing from our conversation they feel is essential. Well, one th- one thing we didn't talk about so much is the actual philosophy behind a lot of the concepts that I talk about. When I talk about, you know, worthiness, I mean, I, I, I started to go into a little bit how I located early ideas of worthiness like courage and heroism in virtue ethics. But then this this more elaborate idea of worthiness that Aaron develops, you know, this you know only being worthy by acknowledging you're not worthy and constantly struggling to be worthy, that has that that finds its roots in a lot of philosophy and not always obvious areas of philosophy. Uh, Eastern philosophies like Buddhism and Taoism, which embrace these, you know, which sound to our Western ears to be paradoxical, uh, like a, a Zen Kuan, like like the sound of one hand clapping. Hmm. That, that, that challenges us to think of our conceptions of reality and definition. You know, the idea that you can only be worthy by doubting your worthiness, and you can only be worthy by the ongoing struggle to be worthy, as hmm. a very Eastern flavor. I talk about, a, I talk about that a little bit. And also, probably, probably the one thing that we didn't touch on is the idea of who determines what it means to be worthy and who determines what it, who is worthy. And I talk about how this is really one of the core of the Odinson's problem 
is he's relied on the hammer to give him a sense of worth for his entire life. Hmm. You know, yeah. and then after he earned the hammer, you know, which was this long struggle, even after he earned the hammer, he still relied on the hammer to give him his idea of self-worth. And that's obviously not ideal. Yeah. You know, the ideal is to have a sense of autonomy or what the existentialists call authenticity, you know, determine for yourself what standards you're going to live up to and then hold yourself to those standards. Yeah. And I, I say in the book that that is Thor's main problem. And his, you know, his mother Freya is always telling him, you know, it's not the hammer that makes the man. It's your heart that makes you Thor. It's yeah. your heart that makes you good. And he, he doesn't hear this because his father, Odin, drummed into him since he's a little boy you have to earn this hammer you won't be worthy until you get the hammer okay dad and the mother's just sitting back fuming yeah of course but, you know and she tells him you know many times you know it says you know i wish you wouldn't focus so much on the hammer you don't need it you are worthy you are my son you are thor etc and like i said before jane doesn't have these same issues jane has a solid conception and her own determination of what makes her worthy, what makes her a good person, what makes her a hero. And when she gets the hammer and she becomes Thor, she just has a new way to express that. Yeah. But she doesn't rely on Mjolnir to give her her worth. It just agrees with her. Yeah. And that doesn't yeah. mean she's cocky or overconfident. She has a solid, you know, what we, what we call in virtue ethics, a, a virtuous level of confidence. You know, it's not excessive, but it's not, you know, uncertain like the Odinsons you know it's more like what Thor ends up having at the end you know he realizes he's worthy but he realizes he should never be comfortable in believing he's worthy he always has to try to be better yeah well Mark thank you so much for joining us today I oh, want thank to, you Ryan this was a great time I want to make sure that uh, whoever's listening um you you've gotten to the end of our conversation you have endured the journeys into mystery where we talk about uh offending dan jurgens uh, we, <laughs> we we talk Twice. we talked about captain america a lot longer than i thought we were going yeah, to today i'm sorry uh you you've you've made it to the end congratulations now what you need to do is you need to go buy this book you need to go buy mark's book and mark every everything that people need to know about um finding your book and purchasing your book um I, the floor is yours um to to make sure that people know where to find it well it it should be available online wherever fine books are sold and even less than fine books are sold uh, i know i know it's on amazon i haven't checked out all the other booksellers uh it's it's probably not going to be available physically unless you actually order it through your bookstore. So of course I support independent bookstores and you can ask them to order it and they should be able to get it for you. Uh, and it's available digitally on all these platforms as well. Like I said, it, it, it depends on when you're listening to this. It was just released a couple of weeks ago on Amazon Kindle and physically through Amazon. I haven't checked all the other outlets to see if it's there, but by the time you're listening to this, it probably will be. Yeah. And uh, for those of you that are just kind of interested, um, it is a little over 100 pages. Um, so, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a good solid read, but like it's not going to it's not going to take you too long. Um, there is also uh, Mark put in the end of this book, a guide to Thor comics, which is very, very cool. Um, so do that. And really anything you need to know about Thor is going to be in the footnotes of this book. So don't skip the footnotes when you get your book, when you start reading it, do not skip the footnotes.
you will regret it because um, the meat is in the footnotes guys. Um, but Mark, where else can people find you uh, on the internet? Uh, if maybe they uh, have a question about the book um, sure. or they, uh, they just want to see what you're up to. Yeah. Uh, my, my website is profmdwhite.com. That's P R O F M D white.com. Uh, that prof MD white is also my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle. And if you want to email me, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to do this. It's the same thing. <laughs> prof MD white at hotmail.com or gmail.com. If that's your flavor. Uh, his but branding it, is very simple people yeah that's that's my feeble attempt at branding <laughs> you know prof md white oh that's catchy that's gonna that'll do it yeah wow uh, and hey like honestly guys on instagram if you want to like see awesome pictures of geese or ponds uh in the new jersey area a lot of clouds mark is your guy <laughs> so uh but we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna send Mark back across the Bifrost so that he can you know start work on the next masterpiece, and the rest of us will just uh, be be reading this book until the next one comes out. Again, this is uh, this is a philosopher reads Marvel Comics Thor. If they be worthy, go check it out on Amazon, and uh, we will be sure to put a link on our social media and. We'll get a link in this episode description so that you can go find the book for yourself and read it. And you can yourself pontificate about all the awesome themes found in Jason Aaron's Thor. But uh, Mark, until next time, man, thank you very much for joining us uh, on Across the Bifrost. Thank you, Ryan. Well, everybody, there you have it. That was our conversation with Mark about his brand new book, If They Be Worthy. We'll be sure to include a link to that in all of our social media. So go check us out at Mighty Thor Podcast or our Facebook group where you can find all the links that we're going to show for his book. Please, seriously, go check out this book, especially before Love and Thunder comes out. I really feel like this book could add to your enjoyment of that film. All of the themes that we're going to talk about in that film and the rest of our Jason Aaron retrospective are really, uh, the, those strings are tugged at by Mark this entire book. And we only had time to talk about just a little bit of this awesome uh, project that he's put together. So go buy the book, enjoy the book, and let Mark know what you enjoyed so much about it. I'm sure he would appreciate that very much. Next week on our main show, we have a special, special look at Marvel Studios Moon Knight coming up. We are going to be talking with Michelle from Moonlit Comics, a fantastic account that I follow on Instagram. She's just a, a fantastic human being, and we are just going to have a great time breaking down Marvel Studios Moon Knight and to connect it to Thor, because, you know, whenever we do something in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've got to connect it to our guy. We are going to be talking about the Avengers story, Age of Khonshu, written by Jason Aaron. See, we made all the connections right there. And so we're going to talk about Age of Khonshu, where Thor faces off with Moon Knight, and it gets intense. We're going to talk with Michelle about that, and it's going to be a great conversation. 
You are not going to want to miss that one. That I can assure you. And if you're interested in joining our Thor core on Patreon, like Eric did this last week, Eric, thank you again. Double shout out, man. You can go and join our Thor core for just a few dollars a month and get our entire bonus library. It's going to be a awesome group to be a part of, especially in the months to come. We've got a lot of special, awesome stuff going up there in the future, but until we see you next week, next time aboard the Rainbow Bridge, I encourage you, friends, dear listeners, to stay worthy.